and we won't have to take them off, but whatever has to be done to save him, Lord, I ask you to touch him, take care of it, give the doctor's wisdom what to do now. Bless him, I pray. We pray for our president. We pray for everything that's going on up there in Washington. The Lord is affecting all of us. And I pray, dear God, that you'll intervene, take care of us. We pray for the war that's going over in Ukraine, Lord, and pray that we won't have the intervention ourselves, Lord, and get in mixed up in it and a uh, nuclear war and everything else could be very possible, Lord, and I pray that you'll intervene there. I pray, dear God, that you'll take care of us tonight, watch over our church family, bless each one, see us back safely on Sunday, but here tonight now we ask you to bless us as we study thy word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm excited about the message tonight. I, one of my favorite books of the Bible, of course, is First John. But uh, I was laughing, not not laughing, uh, but uh, well, yeah, I was laughing. It, it, it was those people up there in Washington just losing their mind, it seems. And uh, I thought to myself, you bunch of babies, why don't y'all grow up? But uh, the Bible has a lot to say about growing up as a Christian. And um, so I'd like to tonight to read in uh, chapter 2 of First uh, John. I want to begin to read in verse 12. In verse 12. First John chapter 2 verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time, as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, they were not of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. 
If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is true, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Father, I ask you to bless now this study and reading of your word to our hearts. We need a blessing from you, and your word is so precious. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the message to little children, young men, and fathers. That's in the family of God. Little children, or little born ones, is what this word means, of those who are babies in Christ, number one. Then you have the young men, that's those who have grown in grace. And then you have the fathers, that's those who are spiritually mature, having fed many years on the milk, bread, meat, and living water of the Word. Now throughout the New Testament, we're taught that in the spiritual life, as well as in the physical, we're to grow and go forward. Now, number one, Hebrews, if you'll turn over there for just a minute, I'll show you how it works, and then we'll get back to 1 John. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 5 and chapter 6, right there together, I'll just read you a little bit. I won't try to read it all, but uh, I, I wish you'd read chapter, uh, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 5 and 6. Just take it and read them together, if you would, please. But in chapter 6... Uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to utter, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles or the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now let me say something right there before I go any further. Years ago I was choosing deacons and things here in this church, and the Bible tells you exactly how to choose deacons. And you must go by that. And uh, they, we, we had chosen some, and the men, I was meeting with our men, and uh, one of the men said, I know a good man in the church, and he, he, I believe preacher, he'd make a good deacon. I said, no, uh, he, he's not qualified. Why not? And he wanted to know all the details. I said, no, that's none of your business. I know why not. Amen. And so you can't be one. And uh, they got upset at me because I wouldn't. And the man, and one of the deacons that was in the church, which is a no-no, 
he went to that man and told him, preacher won't choose you and he won't tell us why. Guess what that man done? Left the church. The families. Now, that's babies. And very babies. And you need to grow up. And what I'm trying to say is, uh, I know people come to me all the time and preach, they would make a good singer. You know, they need to sing, or somebody needs to sing, or somebody needs to play an instrument, or somebody needs to teach a class, and you ought to ask them to do so. No, I can't, everybody, because they're not grown up. One of the uh, most embarrassed times I ever had in my life, somebody asked me to let somebody sing, and uh, they come up on the platform and I said well I trusted them and they come up and they're playing some kind of instrument and singing and talking and I finally had to ask that's enough go sit down now that's embarrassing and so you got to know and it takes a grown up Christian to know a baby in Christ and so you got to do uh, what I'm trying to say is there's a right way and a wrong way to do all things in the church. And the Bible makes it very plain that God is not the author of confusion. And when you get a baby trying to get out of his place, and notice what it says here, when you desire to be a teacher, you need to be taught yourself again. What that means, you're not qualified yet. What that means is that uh, uh, John... Uh, God said there is some that wants to be teachers, but they're not qualified. They're not ready. I had a, a, a lady come to me and said, uh, her grandson, and he wasn't but in his teens, and he wants to preach for you, preacher. I said, no. The Bible says you're not to be a novice. And as she said, well, what does that mean? That means you grow in the Lord first. You become of age first. And not just a young man that doesn't know anything. And I had a, another young man. He was trying to uh, to count counsel a lady to come in and sit down in our church. And this young man went over to her and said, What's wrong, ma'am? And she said, Well, I'm fixing to get a divorce from my husband. He don't love me no more. And he's sitting there, and he's in his teens now, and giving her counsel. I went over to her and said, What are you doing? And he said, well, you you got to understand, preacher, I'm trying to help this lady. I said, you get up and leave her alone. You can't cancel her. Amen? I didn't mean cancel, I mean counsel. But anyhow, uh, because he don't know what he's talking about. And I asked her to come in my office and sit down and talk with her about it. But now what I'm talking about is, there is little children, I'm talking about the body of Christ now, I'm talking about saved people, there's little children, then there's young men, and then there's fathers in the faith. What does that mean? That means that some people just got saved, and that's as far as they get. That doesn't mean that they're just young people. That means that they just don't grow anymore in the Lord. Then there's young people, that uh, young Christians, that they have learned to a degree, but they stop there. And by the way, You'll only grow as far as you'll obey God's known word to you. If God reveals His word to you and you stop there and you say, well, now, I'm not going to go there, then God will stop you right there from growing. If you'll obey God's word in everything without arguing with God, whatever God says, I'll do it, Lord. Uh, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it, Lord. You'll keep on growing. 
But when you stop, when you come to a place that God, you see something in the Bible and God says, Thou shalt not do this or thou shalt do this. And, and you say, I don't believe that and I'm not going to do that. Well, you stop right there from going. That don't mean you lose your salvation. Don't mean you're not saved. It just simply means that you stop growing. So you have little children in the faith. Then you have young men in the faith. And then you have grown-up fathers in the grace. That doesn't mean just men now. I want you to understand something. This means that people that is grown in the grace of God. Uh, these fathers, those who are spiritually mature, having fed, now listen very carefully, fed years on the milk and bread and meat and the living water of the Word of God. Throughout the New Testament, we're taught that in the spiritual life as well in the physical, we're to grow or go forth. And here in Hebrews now, chapter 5 and verse 11, it begins to tell you what that means. Then in verse 1 of chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine to Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, and of the doctrine of baptism laid on the hand, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permit. And then it goes on to this other thing. Now what I want you to see from Romans, I mean Hebrews chapter 6, and the first few verses here, that a grown-up Christian has settled some things with themselves and God, and they will not deviate from those things. In other words, I know I'm saved. Amen? I know that I've been scripturally baptized. I was talking to somebody in church this last Sunday, I believe it was Sunday before last, about uh, are you say, are you, do you know you're saved? Yes, sir. Uh, do you, have you been scripturally baptized? Well, I was sprinkled. That's not scripturally baptized. You, you can't show me one time in the Bible where it says sprinkle to be baptized. You're to be buried in water. And I can show you, I can explain it to you now. Uh, a grown-up Christian knows not only are they saved by the grace of God, but they've been scripturally baptized and they've been taught in the meat of the Word of God. And you can't, some, some Christians, you can't sit down and talk about deep doctrinal things it's like a boy I was working when I first got saved on the line laying brick, and he's coming towards me, you know how we lay on the line uh, brick, and, and I come to him, I said, I got saved the other night by the grace of God. Oh, I'm saved too. Now wait a minute, he's been cussing like a, and I don't know what all week long, now all of a sudden I got saved, he's saved too. You know? And boy, what do you think about the book of Revelation? You know the book of Revelation says that the Antichrist is going to come, and here he goes. And he just teaching, I mean, just preaching to me about the book of Revelation. Not one word he said about the book of Revelation is true. He didn't even know what he's talking about. But he wanted somebody to think that he was a great Christian man because he went straight to the book of Revelation where nobody can understand it's not saved in him. Amen? And so, what I'm trying to say is, Hebrews goes to 1 John when he talks about growing up, and it said, now settle some things. As a young Christian, you get in the Word of God. Now I want you to watch some because this is very important. Notice, we're not to throw away the first things, 
because even a mature Christian needs the milk of the Word. But we are to feed on the deeper things of God as we grow. Uh, we still need the milk of the Word. The little things that we call little things. They're not really little things because it's still the Word of God. Amen? I need everything that God said. That's the milk of the Word. But then I want to grow. I want to understand some meat of the Word of God. And boy, when you get over in the book of Ezekiel, you get over in the book of Jeremiah, and some of those great books, and they're talking about the future things that's coming to pass as a baby in Christ, and all you do is no milk, you'll, you'll uh, falter in studying the Word of God. And so you've got to study to show yourself approved. And as you learn, you've got to have the milk, but you also got to have the, the uh, meat of the Word of God, but also you've got to have the water of the Word. You know what that means? That means that when you study the Word of God, you know what the Word of God says is talking about water? What does water do? It cleanses you. And so as a, as a mature Christian, the more you study the Word of God, the less you want to be part of the world. The less things you want to do is the world. The more I read the Word of God, I feel dirty and unclean. And the more I confess to God every day, Lord, I'm unclean. I need cleansing. Every day. Now, I want you to get this because it's very important. First John 2, verse 12. I write unto you little children. Now, in, in the Father's... In the fuller sense of the word, John is speaking here to all believers because all believers are children of God. But he specifies little children. And in the spiritual realm, we need to always have to exercise the faith of a little child. Did you know what Jesus said when his disciples were talking about little children? He saw suffer little children to come unto me. Of such is the kingdom of God. You know what he was talking about? You ever talk to a little child and you tell them something, they believe it. They just believe it. My little Evelyn thinks her grandpa's the greatest in the world. Don't don't mess with her. Alright? They, they put up the YouTube last night, or this week, of last Sunday sermon, or Sunday before last sermon, and my little Evelyn said, Papa! I can hear it in the background. That's my papa! <laughs> <laughs> and I think about it. She believed I'm the greatest on the earth. I think she does anyhow. But what I'm trying to say is don't mess with her. Don't mess up her mind now. Leave her alone. Amen? And the same way with a child of God, I need that little babyish faith in God. Whatever God says, I believe it. Amen? And we need that. That's a little child. And we need to grow up. Now, uh, as you go through, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. Ephesians 4, verse 32. But be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. I was talking to a man just last night on the phone. He's going through a hard time. Somebody owes him some money. And he said, Preacher, I love this man. Uh, but he owes me money. And I just think he's, I need to go to him and, and just keep on at him till I get it. I said, no, you don't. You need to turn it over to God. And you need to leave it in his hands. Now, you pray about it. You let him know that he owes you the money, okay? 
Well, let me give you some. They ain't a million dollars worth hurting a baby in Christ to me. I'd rather not hurt a baby in Christ than anything in the world. And if I'm going to give up a little bit of money to keep from hurting a baby in Christ, I'll gladly do it. Amen? That's the difference in a baby in Christ and a mature Christian. Because what makes the difference is uh, money's not everything. I said, if you'll leave it up to God, God will see to it you either get your money or He'll bless you greatly beyond that. And if you ever learn that principle, you'll be a grown-up Christian. Quit being a baby and worrying about a few dollars. Amen? And it's just that simple. Now, you have to learn that, though. You have to go through time. If I had all the money that people owe me right today, the work I've done for them in the past, I'd have it made. I was just thinking when he was talking to me about it that a, a good friend of ours, been friend of ours for years, and she called us one day and she said, uh, uh, I want you to build me a, uh, they called them Florida rooms back then, in a breezeway and a fireplace. And I said, well, uh, she said, well, you'll have to furnish material and everything and build it for me. I, I went and borrowed a $1,000 to buy material, which was back then was a lot of money. And I built the thing and everything, got it all finished. I went to her and I said, I'd like to get my money. She said, well, I don't have any money. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, I just wanted you to build me a, you know, this stuff. And I said, well, crying out loud. She said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll pay you a little bit a month alone till I get it paid. I ain't never got a penny from her. Not a dime. And I had to pay it off. I had to pay the loan off. And I got to think, I got to, I got to laugh. And I'm glad I didn't push that. I'm glad I didn't hurt her. Because today, she's still my wife's best friend. Why? Because we didn't say anything to her, leave it in the hand of the Lord. Hey, if she can, this is the way I live, so help me. If she can live with it, I can live without it. Amen? And hey, it don't bother me. And you go right on about it. Now the devil will bring it up to you and try to get you to have hard feelings against her and so on. That's true. But you have to tell the devil like Brother Rolf, go home and leave me alone. Y'all get that directly. Now, I want you to look at verse 13 with me. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 13. I write unto you, Fathers, because you have known Him that is from the beginning, I run to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I run to you little children because you have known the Father. <clears throat> now, this is a supreme mark of spiritual parenthood. This is one who has grown spiritually to a place of maturity. He's no longer a little born one. He's no longer a young man. He is a seasoned, instructed spiritual father. Now, there is a person who knows the gospel, intimate, who is a person who is assured that what God's Word teaches about Jesus, God, heaven, hell, judgment, is true. That which was from the beginning, spiritual fathers know the gospel in their hearts as well as in their minds. They're mature servants of God with a deep love for the soul and a deep concern for their fellow Christians. Now, to get all that understanding, you have to read 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, where he talks about all Scripture is given 
and in Philippians 3, 7, 2 Timothy 1, 12. <coughs> I know God, and to trust Him completely, is to have the desire to move forward with a will set in the Lord. Listen to Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32. <coughs> the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. You ever read that verse? Man, I've read it I don't know how many times. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The world has its daredevils. And I was reading it, I thought to myself, did you know I know what the world needs today? It's dear saints. Amen. Those who would dare attempt great and mighty things for God. The people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I was talking to somebody the other day how we started this church. How we built these buildings and everything here. And I said, if I had to do it today, I, I don't think I could do it. I mean, I'm not talking about strength-wise. I'm talking about mentally-wise. I don't, I, I don't know. How in the world did it happen? How did we go about it? How do we ever start? How do we do it? How, we One day we just started laying the foundation. We didn't have no money. We just got in and laid it out. Next thing you know, a man loaned us money. Next thing you know, we had a building. I mean, it just kept on going. And I looked back on it and I said, how in the world did that happen? You know what the what problem is? I just believe God and the men of the church and the ladies of the church believe God. And He said that He'd bless us if we do His work and, and put Him first. And I've always tried to do that. And I know by God's Word... You can do great exploits. And then when you turn around and look back on you, how in the world that happened? Only by the grace of God. And that's the way it is. The most joyful experience that we could ever have besides becoming a Christian is that of becoming a spiritual father. One who leads others to Christ and then teaches them to grow in the Lord and lead them in doing so. Paul referred to Timothy as my son in the faith, 1 Timothy 1.2. And then he said in 2 Timothy 1.2, my beloved son. Now here's what I'm talking about, and I'll finish. Did you know as a father, and I'm talking to all Christians now, as a grown-up Christian, you know what our job is to do? Lead other people to Christ. That's the number one thing with God. He came in this world to die for sinners. And save sinners, all right? So that's surely my first job then, is to lead people to Christ. But wait a minute. If I lead somebody to Christ, that's not the end of my job. The rest of my job is to teach them, to get them to follow the Lord and believe in baptism, to get them in church. It concerns me when I hear somebody say that they have led somebody to Christ and they never try to get them in church, they never try to get them baptized, they never get them to try to read the Bible. They never. Every time I lead somebody to Christ, I give them one of these old Bibles. And I say, now, I don't want you to start just any place because it's hard for you to start just reading. And I tell them where to start at and I try to explain to them and get them started off in the faith as little babies. 
and then to look up to me to the place if you've got a question I will answer you out of the Bible your questions not what I think or not what somebody else thinks but I'll answer your questions out of the Bible that's what a father or a grown mature Christian is to do lead people to faith and faith then nourish them up in the Lord and grow them in the Lord that's our job amen and we need to do that stand with me please Heavenly Father I pray in Jesus' name that we'll uh, understand it just reading the Bible is wonderful but to study it is another thing that's work that's a lot of work studying and going back and searching and looking and finding exactly what you mean every word you say we all know it's your word so we know it's all true there's not a mistake in it there's not a lie in it it's all truth and Lord we need to get these things settled in our mind that we can help somebody else bless us we pray now in Jesus' name Amen thank you for being here tonight